0: Section twenty four of Waverley, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andy Minter. Waverley, or 'Tis Sixty Years Since,' by Sir Walter Scott. Volume Two. Chapter fifty nine. A Skirmish. The reader need hardly be reminded that, after a council of war held at Derby on the 5th of December, the Highlanders relinquished their desperate attempt to penetrate farther into England, and, greatly to the dissatisfaction of their young and daring leader, positively determined to return northward. They commenced their retreat accordingly, and by the extreme celerity of their movements outstripped the motions of the Duke of Cumberland, who now pursued them with a very large body of cavalry. The retreat was a virtual resignation of their towering hopes. None had been so sanguine as Fergus MacIver. None, consequently, was so cruelly mortified at the change of measures. He argued, or rather remonstrated, with the utmost vehemence at the Council of War, and when his opinion was rejected, shed tears of grief and indignation. From that moment his whole manner was so much altered that he could scarcely have been recognised for the same soaring and ardent spirit for whom the whole earth seemed too narrow but a week before. The retreat had continued for several days, when Edward, to his surprise, early on the 12th of December, received a visit from the chieftain in his quarters, in a hamlet about half-way between Shap and Penrith. Having had no intercourse with the chieftain since their rupture, Edward waited with some anxiety an explanation of this unexpected visit. Nor could he help, being surprised and somewhat shocked, with the change in his appearance. His eye had lost much of its fire, his cheek was hollow, his voice was languid, even his gait seemed less firm and elastic than it was once, and his dress, to which he used to be particularly attentive, was now carelessly flung about him. He invited Edward to walk out with him by the little river in the vicinity— and smiled in a melancholy manner when he observed him take down and buckle on his sword. As soon as they were in a wild, sequestered path by the side of the stream, the chief broke out. "'Our fine adventure is now totally ruined, waefully, and I wish to know what you intend to do. "'Nay, never stare at me, man. "'I tell you I received a packet from my sister yesterday, "'and had I got the information it contained sooner, "'it would have prevented a quarrel, which I am always vexed when I think of.' "'In a letter written after our dispute, I acquainted her with the cause of it, "'and she now replies to me that she never had nor could have any purpose in giving you encouragement, "'so that it seems I have acted like a madman. "'Poor Flora! She writes in high spirits. "'What a change will the news of this unhappy retreat make in her state of mind!' Waverley, who was really much affected by the deep tone of melancholy with which Fergus spoke, affectionately entreated him to banish from his remembrance any unkindness which had arisen between them and they once more shook hands but now with sincere cordiality fergus again inquired of waverley what he intended to do had you not better leave this luckless army and get down before us into scotland and embark for the continent from some of the eastern ports that are still in our possession when you are out of the kingdom your friends will easily negotiate your pardon and to tell you the truth "'I wish you would carry Rose Bradwardine with you as your wife, "'and take Flora also under your joint protection.' "'Edward looked surprised. "'She loves you, and I believe you love her, "'though perhaps you have not found it out, "'for you are not celebrated for knowing your own mind very pointedly.' "'He said this with a sort of smile. "'How?' answered Edward. "'Can you advise me to desert the expedition in which we are all embarked?' "'Embarked?' said Fergus the vessel is going to pieces and it is full time for all who can get into the long-boat and leave her why what will other gentlemen do answered waverley and why did the highland chiefs consent to this retreat if it is so ruinous oh replied mac ivor they think that as on former occasions the heading hanging and forfeiting will chiefly fall to the lot of the lowland gentry but they will be left secure in their poverty and their fastnesses there according to their proverb to listen to the wind upon the hill till the waters abate but they will be disappointed they have been too often troublesome to be so repeatedly passed over and this time john bull has been too heartily frightened to recover his good temper for some time the Hanoverian ministers always deserve to be hanged for rascals, but now, if they get the power in their hands, as sooner or later they must, since there's neither rising in England nor assistance from France, they will deserve the gallows as fools if they leave a single clan in the highlands in a situation to be again troublesome to government. Aye, they will make root and branch work, I warrant them. "'And while you recommend flight to me,' said Edward, "'a council which I would rather die than embrace, what are your own views?' "'Oh!' answered Fergus, with a melancholy air. "'My fate is settled. "'Dead or captive, I must be before to-morrow.' "'What do you mean by that, my friend?' said Edward. "'The enemy is still a day's march in our rear, "'and if he comes up, we are still strong enough to keep him in check. "'Remember, Gladsmuir.' "'What I tell you is true notwithstanding, "'so far as I am individually concerned. "'Upon what authority can you found so melancholy a prediction?' asked Waverley. "'and one which never failed a person of my house.' "'I have seen,' he said, lowering his voice, "'I have seen the barth-glass.' "'Barth-glass?' "'Yes. "'Have you been so long at Gencoich "'that never heard of the Gray specter? No, oh, indeed, there is a certain reluctance among us to mention him.' "'No, never.' "'Ah, it would have been a tale for poor Flora to have told you—' or if that hill were benmore and that long blue lake which you just see winding towards yon mountainous country were loch tay or my own loch henri the tale will be better suited with scenery however let us sit down on this knoll even saddleback and hul's water will suit what i have to say better than the english hedgerows enclosures and farmhouses you must know then that when my ancestor and nachastell wasted northumberland there was associated with him in the expedition a sort of southland chief or captain of a band of lowlanders called halbert hall in their returned through the chariots they quarrelled about the division of the great booty they had acquired and came from words to blows the lowlanders were cut off to a man and their chief fell the last covered with wounds by the sword of my ancestor "'Since that time, his spirit has crossed the vich and loar of the day "'when any great disaster was impending, but especially before approaching death. "'My father saw him twice, once before he was made prisoner at Sheriff Muir, "'another time on the morning of the day on which he died. "'How can you, my dear Fergus, tell such nonsense with a grave face?' "'I do not ask you to believe it, but I tell you the truth.' ascertained by three hundred years experience at least and last night by my own eyes the particulars for heaven's sake said waverley with eagerness i will on condition you will not attempt to jest on the subject since this unhappy retreat commenced i have scarce ever been able to sleep for thinking of my clan and of this poor prince whom they are leading back like a dog in a string whether he will or no and of the downfall of my family Last night, I felt so feverish that I left my quarters and walked out in hopes the keen, frosty air would brace my nerves. I cannot tell you how much I had disliked going on for I know you'll hardly believe me. However, I crossed a small footbridge and kept walking backwards and forwards when I observed with surprise by the clear moonlight a tall figure in a grey plaid such as shepherds wear in the south of Scotland which, move at what pace I would, kept regularly about four yards before me. You saw a Cumberland peasant in his ordinary dress, probably. No, I thought so at first, and was astonished by the man's audacity in daring to dog me. I called to him, but received no answer. I felt an anxious throbbing at my heart, and to ascertain what I dreaded I stood still and Turned myself on the same spot successively to the four points of the compass. By heavens, Edward, turn where I would, the figure was instantly before my eyes at precisely the same distance. I was then convinced it was the class. My hair bristled, and my knees shook. I manned myself, however, and determined to return to my quarters. My ghastly visitant glided before me-for I cannot say he walked-until he reached a footbridge. "'There he stopped and turned full round. "'I must either wade the river or pass him as close as I am to you. "'A desperate courage, founded on the belief that my death was near, "'made me resolve to make my way in despite of him. "'I made the sign of the cross, drew my sword, and uttered, "'In the name of God evil spirit give place.' "'Vich anor,' it said, in a voice that made my very blood curdle. "'Beware of tomorrow. "'It seemed at that moment not half a yard from my sword's point, "'but the words were no sooner spoken than it was gone, "'and nothing appeared further to obstruct my passage. "'I got home, threw myself on my bed, where I spent a few hours, heavily enough, "'and this morning, as no enemy was reported to be near us, "'I took my horse and rode forwards to make up matters with you.' I would not willingly fall until I am in charity with a wronged friend. Edward had little doubt that the phantom was the operation of an exhausted frame and depressed spirits, working on the belief common to all Highlanders in such superstitions. He did not the less pity Fergus, for whom, in his present distress, he felt all his former regard revive. With the view of diverting his mind from these gloomy images, he offered, with the Baron's permission which he knew he could readily obtain, to remain in his quarters till Fergus's corps should come up, and then to march with them as usual. The chief seemed much pleased, yet hesitated to accept the offer. We are, as you know, in the rear, the post of danger in the retreat, and therefore the post of honour. Well, replied the chieftain, let Alec have your horse in readiness, in case we should be overmatched, and I shall be delighted to have your company once more. The rear-guard were late in making their appearance, having been delayed by various accidents and by the badness of the roads. At last they entered the hamlet. When Waverley joined the clan MacIver, arm in arm with their chieftain, all the resentment they had entertained against him seemed blown off at once. Evandu received him with a grin of congratulation, and even Callum, who was running about as active as ever, pale indeed and with a great patch on his head, appeared delighted to see him that gallows bird's skull said fergus must be harder than marble the lock of the pistol was actually broken how could you strike a young lad so hard said waverley with some interest why if i did not strike hard sometimes the rascals would forget themselves they were now in full march every caution being taken to prevent surprise fergus's people and a fine clan regiment from badenoch commanded by cluny macpherson held the rear They passed a large open moor, and were entering into the enclosures which surround a small village called Clifton. The winter sun had set, and Edward began to rally Fergus upon the false predictions of the grey spirit. "'The Ides of March are not past,' said MacIver, with a smile, when, suddenly casting his eyes back on the moor, a large body of cavalry was indistinctly seen to hover upon its brown and dark surface.' To line the enclosures facing the open ground, and the road by which the enemy must move from it upon the village, was the work of a short time. While these manoeuvres were accomplishing, night sunk down, dark and gloomy, though the moon was at full. Sometimes, however, she gleamed forth a dubious light upon the scene of action. The Highlanders did not long remain undisturbed in the defensive position they had adopted." Favored by the night, one large body of dismounted dragoons "'attempted to force the enclosures, "'while another, equally strong, strove to penetrate by the high-road. "'Both were received by such a heavy fire as disconcerted their ranks, "'and effectually checked their progress. "'Unsatisfied with the advantage thus gained, "'Fergus, to whose ardent spirit the approach of danger "'seemed to restore all its elasticity, "'drawing his sword and calling out, "'Clemore!' "'encouraged his men, by voice and example, "'to break through the hedge which divided them "'and rush down upon the enemy. "'Mingling with the dismounted dragoons, "'they forced them at the sword point "'to fly to the open moor, "'where a considerable number were cut to pieces. "'But the moon, which suddenly shone out, "'showed to the English the small number of assailants, "'disordered by their own success. Two squadrons of horse moving to the support "'of their companions, "'the Highlanders endeavoured to recover the enclosures.' that several of them among others their brave chieftain were cut off and surrounded before they could effect their purpose waverley looking eagerly for fergus from whom as well as from the retreating body of his followers he had been separated in the darkness and tumult saw him with evandue and callum defending themselves desperately against a dozen of horsemen who were hewing at them with their long broadswords "'The moon was again at that moment totally overclouded, "'and Edward in the obscurity could neither bring aid to his friends "'nor discover which way lay his own road to rejoin the rear-guard. "'After once or twice, narrowly escaping being slain or made prisoner "'by parties of the cavalry, whom he encountered in the darkness, "'he at length reached an enclosure, and clambering over it, "'concluded himself in safety and on the way to the highland forces, "'whose pipes he heard at some distance.' For Fergus hardly a hope remained, unless that he might be made prisoner. Resolving his fate with sorrow and anxiety, the superstition of the Bolochglass recurred to Edward's recollection, and he said to himself with internal surprise, What? Can the devil speak truth? End of chapter fifty nine.